just be who you are, be yourself. Like we're living in a time now where we can create any persona of us that we want. But at the end of the day, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't lie to yourself. Like I, I truly believe like you cannot lie to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, and we are here for another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. And I just loved my conversation with Spencer Pacinger. Just so amazing, all the gems. What a wonderful and an inspiring story. And I'm really excited to dig into part two. So let's take a listen. This is part two with Spencer Pacinger. We've heard his incredible story and his journey to becoming a writer and producer. And I'm so excited to hear more about his thoughts on success and his journey. So Spence, my first question for you now is, how would you define success? I have a very simple definition of success. It's being able to create in whatever space you want to create and still be able to walk down the street as a relative unknown. That's mine. Interesting. Say more. Where does this come from? Well, I mean, there's a, it's no secret, obviously, like the world is obsessed with like fandom, like celebrities and all that. And it feels like whenever you're able to ascend to a place where, you know, you can create at a high clip and projects are going and you look at the, you know, the Issa Rays to all the way to like the Jay-Z's and the Beyonce's and stuff like those people now probably can't walk down the street without getting mobbed, you know? And I remember watching like The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, the Netflix documentary. And yes, he's the greatest, but like he can't leave his hotel room when he goes to a new city because there's like, he looks out the window and there are thousands of people out there waiting to just see him, to touch him, to get an autograph, to ask for something from him. So because I'm so like family oriented and so kind of like closed off, like I want to be able to, navigate like creating what I want to create and having those projects do well but still be able to walk down the street as a relative unknown and I, the the best case example I have for it is Jay Brown the CEO or I think president CEO of Rock Nation this is a guy that was like you know with Jay-Z in the trenches early on and has done like crazy deals and lived a crazy life and you know hella successful and I've had the opportunity to meet him a handful of times but like he could walk down the street because like I can ask you, like, you probably don't know who Jay Brown looks like, like what he looks like. So I would like to have a career like that to where I can create in my own space, but still have the freedom to walk down a city street and not have that like mob or just that come after me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I hadn't thought of it from that perspective because I'm just a little old lawyer. So, (laughs) you know, I don't think about celebrity, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't, I guess I don't think about celebrity, right. Cause in terms of being a successful lawyer, like the biggest lawyers, even they can walk down the street and usually be okay. That's right. That's the entertainment industry, the industry that you're in when you do have a certain amount of success that can be challenging. And you said something really important. You said, you know, I have I'm really close to my family. I would love to hear more about that, more about your beautiful wife, Blair, who we all, who I went to high school with too. So you married a Beverly Hills high <laughs> sweetheart and your wonderful kids. Yeah. And how that factors into your career. I would love to hear more. Yeah. I mean, me and B, my wife, we, we met in high school. By no means were we even thinking about dating or you know, like you can attest to this. Like there was yeah. nothing <laughs> ever like that in high school. We never even thought that. 
we would even be together. I would give her advice on her boyfriend. She would give me advice on my, on my girlfriends. And it was just that. It was just a friendship that ended up kind of blossoming into something more towards the end. I think it was the last year of, of college. We just found ourselves, or I technically, I was talking to her more because I just started becoming more and more interested in her. And this thing rode into a relationship and an engagement. And now we have two kids in the house and are trying to you know, build our careers together. But she was integral in every aspect of my career. You know, at that point where I was back home from college, kind of kicking myself and giving up that job opportunity in the middle of the, the NFL lockout, like she was helping me drive around, like posting. I would like literally post like, hey, I'll train you for $30 an hour or whatever. I like, remember that. I remember those. Yeah. 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 Like I, she would be in the car with like, I would post them in the middle of the night. So like nobody would really like see me posting them, but she would be in the car like driving, helping me drive around, like doing it. And the night that I signed with the Giants, like we drove around all night listening to New York State of Mind, like by Alicia Keys and Jay-Z. And she ended up moving out to New York my third year in the NFL. She moved down to Miami with me. That's when we got engaged and then married. And I always say, I just know I can't, I have no grounds for a prenup because <laughs> she's literally been there, like shooting in the jail with me since since day one. So. She's definitely allowed me like the freedom to like go off and create and work on things. And now that her company, she's about two years into her company post 21, I get to sort of pay that back to her, allowing her the space to go and build her company. So we definitely have a great sort of tandem. And we got these two little crazy kids that are, you probably hear them there upstairs running around the house, probably climbing on walls right now, but four-year-old daughter named Cairo and two-year-old son named Madden. So yeah, I'm done though. No more. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love how you guys are able to support each other. And that's so true. You know, it's really a partner makes such a big difference in your journey. And since Blair has really been there from the beginning, that is just so amazing that you're able to pour back into her now and her business. I would love to know more about fatherhood. Like has fatherhood changed you? If so, how? Yeah, I think fatherhood has changed me in all the best ways. It's made me more, I've, I've always been like compassionate and empathetic, but it's allowed me to see things from a more of a protector standpoint. And you know me, I've always been that friend that was always like, again, ask, ask you guys to get home, you know, curfew <laughs> or whatever. Definitely. But like having a daughter for the first time, for the, as my first kid, I think it's just rewired my brain to realize how much of this world is geared towards body image, towards perception, and how much pressure is on specifically young Black women in this country. It's just like grown my heart like tenfold to understand like I'm in front of my kids, like literally laying out the path for them. And I want it to be as best a path as I can make it for them. You can't shield them from everything, but I can shield them from what I know I can. So, yeah. I love that. And I also just wanted to know if you had any advice for younger people who might look up to you. I know that some people, I always quote Michelle Obama and I'm not, I don't know the exact quote, but when you are in the public eye and you are doing interesting work, people are looking to you. And so you are a de facto role model to a lot of people. And so do you have any advice for the young folks out there? The black yeah, kids but, in Beverly Hills High now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, honestly, just like, just be who you are, be yourself. Like we're living in a time now where we can create any persona of us that we want. 
But at the end of the day, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't lie to yourself. Like, I, I truly believe like you cannot lie to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. And again, just this time, we're in a weird technological advancement time where it feels like if you don't know anything and everything about whether it's a metaverse or NFT or all that stuff, you kind of feel like you're being left behind. But at the end of the day, if you can you look at yourself and know who you are and even spend time getting to know who you are because that's becoming more rare like we wake up in the morning we grab our phone and we immediately are thrown just 20 different people and tweets and instagram accounts like so many different opinions and about the world and people and topics and everything that it's become increasingly rare that we're actually sitting in our own thoughts it's almost like an active like an active freedom to like not have your phone and just like be in your head for 30 minutes to an hour. So I just say, just get back to that, get back to knowing who you are as a person, get back to knowing who you are away from technology, away from sometimes even your friends, away from work. Don't subscribe to grind culture because you will burn out. (laughs) Um, And just get to know who you are because we're entering a space where it's going to be very easy for somebody to tell you who you are. So get back to yourself. That's so true. And when you say get to know who you are, uh, do you have examples of things that people can do? So for me, as an example, I think journaling has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I started later on in my life. But it's so interesting because you can look at your timeline of thoughts. And if something is like still there, and it's still kind of like, you know, showing up, It's like, maybe you need to follow that, or maybe you need to understand that more. And I don't think I really realized parts of myself until I started journaling. And so I feel like Mm -hmm. that's been really helpful. You said something about sitting alone with your thoughts. Like, is that meditation? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, it's meditation. I do practice meditation. It's something I'm still working on getting better at. And I'm not sure if I can get better at it. I think I can just, uh, just again, just be in it more and spend more time being in it. It's meditation. It's sometimes it's honestly sitting on a couch, not turning on the TV, putting your phone across the room and just literally sitting there. Sometimes I do that. And I was like, I'm like, this feels kind of weird. But then I'm also realizing like, okay, I'm talking to myself. I'm in my I'm in my head, I'm maybe working through a problem or or lighting out the next couple of things that I have to do, whatever. But it's just like, it's just having that time for your brain to like think for itself instead of spending so much time consuming somebody else's or another platform's thoughts and just all that. So it's meditation. It's, you know, I always subscribe to like getting a good workout as often as you can. I'm getting older now, so my body doesn't work as well as it used to. <laughs> so, still young. You're still young. Yeah, uh, I got a football body, so like my I'm 33, but I feel like my body's like 44. <laughs> but yeah, it's meditation. It's diving into hobbies. It's one thing that my brother-in-law, Alex, he told me something one time that it's always stayed with me. He said, the reason why a lot of people aren't happy right now is because everybody's trying to turn their hobby into a dollar. And I sat with me because I was like, that's absolutely true. Like, I feel like people need to get back to having a hobby that's not tied to any outside validation, that's not tied to any monetary value. And it's just, I'm doing this because this makes me happy. And I've seen a handful of people, you know, they have something they like, they think they could turn it into a paycheck or, or something. And that's when they, and that happened to me one time. Like, I, I love watching movies and 
I thought, okay, well, I'm a, I'm gonna start a podcast of watching movies, and I'm gonna talk about these movies and talk about movies coming out and everything, and do it with athletes and, and whatnot. And I realized quickly, like, I used to just like going to movies just to go to movies, just as like a release. But now it's, oh, I need to go to a movie on a Tuesday, so then I have no time to write my notes about it. And one time I brought a notepad to a movie theater and was trying to write notes and was like, what am I doing? And it was that quote came back into my head, like, oh, I was trying to turn my hobby into a paycheck. So I think, again, meditation, finding things that aren't attached to any type of validation or monetary value and just doing something that is genuinely for like your mental well-being. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I completely agree with that. I feel the same when it comes to dancing. Like I noticed that when I would take dance classes, like when I studied abroad in Spain and when I, I love, you know, I love to study abroad. So I tried to take advantage of all of Stanford's programs. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, <laughs> she's, she's back over there again. Yeah. Dang. I was like, I was in Spain and then Argentina <laughs> and Peru. And I did all these programs, but I always joined a dance class mm-hmm. and there was a lot of structure to it. And I noticed that it was slowly, like there was a fun that was just being taken out of it, especially when I was taking a salsa class and my dance partner, German guy, love him, but he was very serious. Mm -hmm. He was so serious about making sure that we had all the steps that it'd be perfect, that we were like right on time. And I was like, let's go, let's all go have fun. Like, this is just a class, you know, this is study abroad. That was like the first instance where I realized all these classes are draining the fun and mm-hmm. so now I dance four to five times a week, soca mostly, because my Guyanese side love it. Mm-hmm. And I do something called trap cardio. So these women from the South and they just dance like <laughs> and they just sweat and it's so fun and it's like the best music. And I just realized I'll probably only dance for fun. Now yeah. it's like, it's my, I feel very free. And I love that because I am someone like that. I'll like try to change everything into like, maybe not even a paycheck, but just trying to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's not worth it. Yeah. That's why like I have friends that go golfing like three or four times a week and they try to get better at it. And they don't understand why I don't want to get better at golf. Like I, I just, it's a hobby of mine. I probably go golfing a couple of times a year and I want to do it more. But to me, getting a group of guys together, grabbing like a six pack of beer and just going out for 18 holes. It's a fun time. And the one time or a couple of times that I have friends being like, all right, you should hit it this way, hit it that way. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't need to get good at golf. Like this, I'm not here to try to become a pro or anything like that. Like as long as I don't lose 12 balls every time I'm out, it's a successful day. I'm not really tracking my score. I'm out here with my friends having fun because this is what I want to do. I don't want to go beyond that. So I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You talked a little bit about going to therapy once a week. Where did that come from? What started your journey? So I started it last, I'd say like in the summer last year, 2020 or 2021. And I had never been opposed to going to therapy. I always thought that just looked at it was like, yeah, it can definitely help anybody that goes. Like, why wouldn't somebody go? But I will say I had the sort of the machismo perspective of it, of when I would have a bad day mentally, I'm like, all right, this is the day I need to go to, to therapy. Like, I need to go find one now, and this is starting it. But then the next day, when I'm having a good day, I'm like, that was just a little spurt. Like, we're good. I'm back at it. We're, you know, it's fine. Like, that, was, that wasn't me. This is me now. And when those days started getting close, 
sort of together. Mind you, it was definitely a lot of COVID-related uh, stuff, just being in the house and having projects I still had to complete. Also, having two kids at the house because schools were locked down. And then, and then my wife is also trying to start her business in COVID. It was just a lot of that. Once those days started getting closer and closer of just not being mentally like where I want to be, that's when I was like, okay, it's time for me to at least just talk to somebody and see if there's any exercises or just, you know, I didn't come into it thinking I needed to be fixed. I came into it thinking like, I just want to talk to somebody that has no perspective of my life that can give me like an objective point of view. So I did my homework through my insurance company, found a, a pretty good therapist, I would say. And I've been riding with her for more like a, like a, a month break right now, but probably about four and a half months. We've been going at it every week, standing appointment Tuesday at 11 o'clock. But it's great because I'm not expecting her to fix me. I don't feel like I need to be fixed. I feel like there are things I can fine tune. But just having that conversation with somebody once a week to where at the end of it, they're giving you little things to focus on throughout the week. So I think that the biggest thing for therapy with me is whenever I have that homework, like one time she told me to write a letter to my college football coach, my position coach about like how I really saw him, how I thought of him and just like, just write a letter to him. And that even brought me to tears because I realized that he was in football and sports in general, like you spend so much time correcting the bad and you definitely highlight the good, but but you spend most of your time correcting the bad. If something's wrong, you have to fix it because there's going to be 10 other things you have to fix after that. So like, let's fix this. Now that I don't have a coaching me daily, I've become that coach to myself. And being the coach to myself, I'm coaching out of a negative perspective because I'm always trying to find something to fix. So having my therapist kind of shed light on that for me has allowed me to like retool how I coach myself weekly. So, and it's little things like when I'm, you know, if I'm keeping count within my marriage of like, oh, so I did the, you know, I washed the dishes and I took out the trash and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Like now B can do this. My therapist told me, she was like, when people keep count in a relationship, they never keep count if they think they're going to lose. And I was like, God damn, like you got so many like cool quotes and and things, but, (laughs) but it's things like that, that allow me to, when I start keeping count throughout the week, I think back to that quote. And I think it's like the acknowledgement of these things that have been playing around in my head. As long as I can acknowledge them, I'm on the track of fixing them, but acknowledging them is the first step. I think that's the biggest thing with anybody that's is interested in seeing a therapist is they will help you acknowledge things about yourself, not necessarily fix them outright, but if you can acknowledge them, that starts the path to then self-correction. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's amazing. And I agree. Mine's, my therapy journey has been a little bit different, but it's been instrumental in helping me get more perspective. And I started mm-hmm. going when my mom got sick. Mm-hmm. It's just really helpful to get that perspective, to get that support. Yeah. So I'm certainly a proponent of therapy and I think it is life-changing. So thank you for sharing that. And finally, I would just love to know if you had any final thoughts to share Anything about hopes and dreams for the future? Any other advice? Kind of like an open-ended, anything you didn't touch on that you just want to get put out into the universe, tell the people. Um, (laughs) 
I mean, I would say like, just again, throwing it back to my wife, like she's built a really dope company. Uh, it's called Post 21. It's a marketplace for celebrating black creatives. So she has over, I believe about 80 vendors right now. She has a location out at downtown Disney and she's doing a bunch of different collabs with some notable companies and productions in Hollywood and beyond. So Post 21 Shop is their website. You guys check it out. I help out a lot with her stuff right now. I, I call myself my her first assistant. Yes. <laughs> um, but beyond that, yeah, I'm just, I'm writing and I'm developing other projects. I still, I'm only four years into this. So a lot of people, a lot of people, when they think of the TV and film industry, if you have something that has gone, a, a movie or a, film, a TV show, whatever, they think, you know, every single thing about this industry. So I get asked a lot of questions about how do I do this? How to develop this? I'm just like, I will tell you what I know, but I'll also tell you when I don't know something. And I'm very open and honest about when people reach out to me and wanting me to help with them. If I don't know what I'm talking about, I will not give you that advice because I wouldn't want somebody to lead me down a path that they haven't been down themselves. So I'm pretty like I'll answer DMs when I can, especially when it's like somebody, you know, young and hungry and I see them putting in the work, but I'm still learning myself. So we're kind of in this together, but that's pretty much it. Like just those you that listening, like if you have a hobby, if you have an interest, like dive into it, see where it goes. Like I always thought I was going to be, you know, a Wall Street guy wearing the big power suit with my econ degree hung up on the wall and everything. And I had a hobby where I was just like teaching myself how to write. And it's led to this incredible journey that I'm still on. So that all came from me diving into a hobby. Now I did say earlier, like, don't turn every hobby into a dollar. Right, but, right. Like, Sometimes it naturally goes that way, which it did for me. And then I was lucky enough to just kind of keep going down that road. So at the end of the day, just dive into your interest. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Spence, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You, I don't know if we emphasize this enough, but you've just always had the biggest heart, the kindest heart. You've been so, yeah, just so wonderful. Such an amazing person. So I'm so glad that you were able to come and share all of your little gems with everyone today. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I consider you my little sister. I'll always pick up the phone for you. Whenever you need me, I'm here for you. So again, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of No Straight Path. I need you to share this with your friends, share it with your family, go on to Spotify, go on to Apple Music, go on to Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that follow button or that subscribe button. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show. It really helps other listeners find the show so we can just let everyone know that there's not a straight path in life and that we're all figuring it out together. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Take care.